You're listening to Have the Conversation Podcast, a podcast centered around mental health, wellness, and everything in between. My name is Kala. And I'm Leanne. We're sitting down with everyday people to talk about life and the lessons they've learned, all in an effort to connect and stay encouraged. Hey guys, this week we sat down with a dear friend of mine, Lori Vanessa Dotti, to talk about caring for our elderly loved ones, finding balance in the midst of this particularly difficult time, and healing through past trauma to create resilience, strength, and beauty. Lori loves with her entire heart and fights passionately for who and what she believes in. The way she stands up for the people she loves, particularly her grandma, is truly inspiring. She's got a strong will, to put it lightly. <laughs> and an incredible heart, and I'm so proud to call her a friend of mine. If you have unhealed trauma in your life, do not be afraid to seek help. Whether it's talking to a friend, meeting with a counselor, or giving newer methods like eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, or EMDR therapy, a try, like Lori talks about during this episode. You can be free from your past. You too can heal and change your life. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy, happy to help anybody. And since it's World Gratitude Day, thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Oh, well, perfect. perfect. Yeah, look at you. I didn't even know it was World Gratitude yeah, we Day. We missed that one, Leanne. We missed September 21st. That's awesome. We're never going to forget <laughs> now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Forever etched in our memory. World yeah, Gratitude. Man. Well, I um, am super excited to have you on, Lori, because we've talked about it for so long now, and our podcast is about mental health and wellness, everything in between, and you know, I know like struggle is part of life, and going through things is part of life, but when you shared your story with me, I just like, I couldn't believe what you've been through, and your resilience, and how strong you've become, and so um, I just like, I was very excited to have you on, and just talk about your life and, and the things you've gone through and how you've turned them into, you know, the person you are today. I definitely want to talk about grandma a little bit too, but <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. But yeah, um, where do you want to start? Sure. Well, thank you for the compliments. Um, you know, as I've had a lot of grief in my life, so pretty much everybody has their own story, but mine started very, very young when my mother drowned and saved my life as a child. So I was six years old. It was the week before my seventh birthday. So make a long story short as you know, since we're on the air is um, my dad raised me until I was nine years old. And obviously being a single man trying to deal with his own grief, all of that, there was a lot of challenges that came being a single father trying to raise this little girl. In fact, the pictures of my hairdos back in the day, we, we won't discuss. <laughs> Explains it all. <laughs> but luckily, I am the person I am today because of my grandparents. My grandparents took me in when I was nine and really um, helped me realize that I could be a victim or a survivor. And as I've gotten older, I've decided to really conquer instead of just being a survivor, but to conquer those things um, that come along with grief and losing a mother figure and having that missed generation piece. So my grandmother has been my mother and never really dealt with my grief as a child because back then, you know, nobody really took their children to counseling. So 
I had to actually um, take it upon myself and go to counseling after my grandfather died. It ended up being more of a threefold of grief for me. So counseling um, really helped me and doing EMDR, so which is um, a form of counseling where you use your eyes. It's not really hypnosis, but it's a rapid counseling for, for anybody that's had trauma in their life. So I didn't realize you didn't see any counselors or therapists until your grandpa passed away? Yes, yes. So back in the day, it was it was not looked upon as a good thing to go to counseling and all of that. So if you think that was in the 70s, so I'm giving my age away. I'm 52. <laughs> and, you know, so I was born in 68 and my mother dying a week from my seventh birthday. You know, it just wasn't looked upon. It was frowned upon, actually. Um, it was kind of an embarrassment. And so they thought just keeping my my mother's memory alive was doing, you know, the best that they could. So, mm -hmm. and I didn't really know any better until my grandfather died and grief just struck me so devastatingly. When I went to counseling, I realized my, through my counseling that it was a threefold for me. It was losing my mother, my dad's abandonment of how I took it, and then also having my grandfather, my protector, um, also passing away. So I was dealing with all three of those in the grief process. So as a young person, obviously, you know, what happened to you was traumatic, but you're trying to li live like as normally, you know, as possible. Did you have issues in other areas? Like, how did that grief like manifest in your life or, or did it? Oh, yeah. So it is manifested, um, I believe, truly in my stomach. So I have had um, horrible, horrible stomach problems as a young adult and even to today that I have to deal with. And they say, I mean, this is probably another um, another podcast for you all, but they say your stomach is your, other, is your second brain. So it processes a lot of your emotions. And so I've had to really deal with that. Um, being having a lot of self-esteem issues as a child and really trying to overcome those. So having me on this podcast is not my normal. I would rather be behind the scenes and being that person that is promoting somebody else. So this is this is all kind of new for me and um, you know dealing with it as well as I can. Well, you look beautiful in front of the camera. Uh, yeah, you look beautiful. Beautiful. We would everything. all prefer to be beside the scenes. We would. We would. <laughs> We're all being courageous together for sure. Yeah. Yes. 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 You, uh, speaking of being in front of the camera, though, you um, were on WFAA last week. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So that aired Thursday night at 10 o'clock. And Really, it was, I found out, um, I brought my grandmother, so fast forward, I brought my grandmother to Texas um, a year ago last March, actually it happened to be March 11th, and really wanted to be able to take care of her. She's 98 years old now, and it was um, time for her to really um, go into a nursing home and have, you know, extra care, and so I thought, I told my grandma, I said, you could have me a week, a month in Florida, or you can have me every day in Texas. So she said, every day, and let's go. And my grandmother's a World War II vet from England. She was in the Royal Air Force. So when I tell you about the English strong, stiff upper lip, I mean, it's amazing. I've very rarely seen this woman cry. 
So um, she said, let's go. And I moved her to Texas a year ago, March 11th, and have had her at my house every day from two to about eight o'clock. And if she wasn't at my house, um, we were together in the nursing home. Well, COVID hit, as we know. And so March 11th was the last time I've seen her, which has been 194 days as of today. So who's counting, right? right? Who's counting and about seven hours. So, um, (laughs) you know, it's been devastating for me. And I found out July 12th in just a passing conversation that the nursing home where she's located is just going to bring in a COVID unit from the hospital and just randomly told me that as no big deal. And I was horrified. Um, really, I called my attorney, and that's another story, is, is dealing with elder care and going from Medicare to Medicaid is kind of, yes, it is a paperwork mm-hmm. nightmare. And so I chose to hire an attorney, one, because she's coming from Florida to Texas. There was a lot of different loopholes. So I called the attorney immediately um, and said, can we put a stay on this happening? And it was going to be happening the very next day which was Tuesday, July 13th, um, about sometime in the afternoon. And this is 3.30 on a Monday. So I was horrified and she said, no, there's nothing we can do. Medicare and Medicaid have changed their laws. So I just had to sit back and really figure out what I was gonna do. So I tried to bring my grandmother home. Um, she was on hospice at the time because we thought she was gonna pass away at the end of February within two weeks, but you know, being, my grandma, she's, she's so strong <laughs> going. going. I mean, she's just amazing. She's a tough cookie. She's so amazing. So um, she refused. She refused to come home with me. And I thought, well, maybe she doesn't understand. So I wrote her a letter and not explaining about the COVID unit, but that, you know, COVID, you know, is really rampant and I may not be able to see her till next year, which after Christmas. And she literally broke down and cried and said, you know, we've been through worse. I can see you, you know, I'll see you again. And I was devastated, cried for about two weeks. And I, um, the anger that I had was very, um, uh, pretty extreme and just really didn't understand how the government was allowing this to happen. And nobody was talking about it. So my Mm -hmm. husband reached out to WFAA and sent them a note. And about two weeks later, they reached out to me, the producer, wanting to know if I would go on camera. So out of, again, out of a long history of not wanting to be on the forefront, um, my husband really convinced me that the story needed to come from me and not him. So I did it, but I just wanted it to really focus on the government portion and allowing this to happen. So although every story needs a victim when you're looking at the news and kind of now I see it, so it's more of the human factor. So my grandma and I are part of that story, but I really wanna see some sort of reform come when our hospitals, you know, were not booked, they were at 10%. And it was just absolutely, to me, it was a financial decision that the person yeah. made. And that was, you know, horrible. I felt like it was a death sentence for my grandmother. Sure. And I remember you, I remember you that day and you were devastated because none of us knew, especially like when COVID first happened, the extent, we were all terrified, right? right? And she's the exact population that they talk about being the most at risk, you know, and you think you've got her in the safest place. You researched and found that place for her and they're choosing to do this for financial reasons. And like, that's, that's the part that's 
so frustrating and honestly disgusting because it's like, it's like so many things are just money driven in this country. And you'd think that with all the precautions, we're trying to save this one population. But even then, it's like if it comes to money, it's just, oh, never mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what was just shocking to me. And they have a separate ward and separate staff for all of that, but it's still the same unit for food. So it's the same kitchen, all of that. And it's the same, you know, air filtration system. So for me, you know, all the employees coming in and out, some were wearing masks, helping my grandma, some were not. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I've probably been more in quarantine than they were, and they're helping my grandmother. So now the governor has put in place, you know, a law to, um, starting on Thursday, where we should be able, the family members, um, about two per, per person that's in a nursing home can go visit. So I'm waiting on the results of what that's going to look like for my grandmother's mm-hmm. nursing home now. Um, so I'm waiting for a phone call. In fact, um, let me put my phone on silent. I'm, wait- <laughs> I'm waiting on a phone call sometime this afternoon to figure out what do those details look like. And will that be this week? Will it be in a couple weeks? Um, will it be outside? Will I be able to go into the nursing home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just wild to think that, you know, you could have not even known any of this had it not come up in like a brief conversation. So um, now that you were aware and, you know, the news got a hold of this, how has it been? Um, do you know any other families that are in the same facility as your grandma that maybe weren't aware of this? Um, in the same facility, supposedly they notified everybody, but it's not been by writing. It has just been by conversation. So there's not been one email, no letters informing us of this, nor even telling us what the numbers have been on the COVID unit side. Normally on the long-term care side, when there was a person, a long-term resident or an employee that was diagnosed with COVID, they were under law to tell us each time that happened. But on the COVID unit side, they don't have to report those numbers. So I have no idea how many people have been in that situation. So dirty. It's clear that they're trying to keep it under wraps. And that's the most frustrating part because they know what they're doing. People would flip out. Yes, exactly. They're loved ones. Exactly. It's been horrifying. But uh, you've definitely been through some ups and downs with taking care of grandma and it's, it's a part of life that until you started, you know, talking with me about it, cause it's your life right now. Like I never want to think of my parents in a nursing home. It's something I don't, I, I know one day it will happen, but it's not something I reflect on or even want to look at. Cause it's, it's scary. It's a scary thing, you know, but we're all going to be there one day. Like hopefully, you know, your parents live a long life and you get to help them when they're older and vulnerable. But what are some things that you've done like I know you installed the nest camera which I think is brilliant but also has been taxing on you too like what are some things you've done to help you take care of grandma in the later stages of her life yeah so for me some of the things that I've done personally is is meditate so I started meditating during this lockdown um, a lot more than I ever have in my life And the days that I meditate are probably the best days. And having, you know, that sense of of calm and really just um, 
bringing back the self-love that you try to find and know that you're doing something within your heart that you're passionate about and you know that you're, you know, that it's, it's going to be okay. It's out of your control um, and kind of really meditating on that. It's, it's really brought me back to a good place and focusing on the positive. So the Nest camera, thank goodness, got installed right before, probably maybe two weeks prior to um, us going on lockdown. So for me, it has been a blessing because I can watch her in the middle of the night. I can see when, it, when she wakes up in the morning, if she's having a really bad struggling morning and she's in pain or what's happening, I can go back and say, oh, she didn't get a lot of sleep or she was in pain or you know this happened. Um, so I've had a lot of struggles with the nursing home, but it's probably every nursing home. My grandmother has had to have different types of beds. She's slid out of bed. Um, and the Nest camera for me has given me a sense of purpose where I can actually um, help hold people accountable. The other day, for example, I saw my grandmother, which was shocking to me because she must have been feeling really good, tried to get up. Um, by herself with the door shut, she's in her wheelchair and has her walker in front of her and she was trying to get up. And I saw this and it was rolling and the wheelchair was rolling. So I immediately called the nursing home and they were in there within a flash. And so she doesn't know I'm tattletailing on her, but um, <laughs> you know, she, she doesn't understand that, which is great, but um, yeah. you know, it, it gives me a sense of peace. But I will tell you, it, it was also something that I had to pull away from. So I was constantly looking at it, I felt almost every hour. And so now I've had to really limit myself to morning, afternoon, or evening. Mm -hmm. so. Was that hard at first? Oh, yes. So, <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, you know, whenever she wanted water and if they weren't giving her water right away, you know, what's wrong with you, you know? Um, and yeah. I think, you know, they were probably like, okay, this girl's really psycho. Um, but, you know. <laughs> being with Do it for grandma <laughs> exactly you know and I, and I would take a bullet for her I would die for her I would change places with her right now if I could as much yeah. as she's done for me in my life so for me um I've had to really pull back and so I look in the morning after I've had coffee now not before and make sure that she <laughs> is up and dressed and she's had her shower on the shower days and that she's okay and then I may look in the afternoon and then I look um, in the evening. And a lot of times I want to call her, but she's clear across the other room by her door or outside on the patio. And, and I know it's going to take her too long to get to the phone for me. So yeah. that, that's when I'm looking at the phone now or looking at the camera. But, you know, it's, it's good. It, it's kind of a healthier balance now. But it, I had to really work through that for COVID. Yeah, definitely. Well, how can you not kind of obsess about that if you know you can't see her, but you've got this at your fingertips all the time? It's like another <laughs> social media, except with someone you love, like the only way you can see them, exactly. you know? Exactly. I can talk through it, but I don't want to really freak her out. So I yeah, that, <laughs> that might be a little much. <laughs> like grandma, you should be asleep now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think we all need that though. Yeah. <laughs> what are grandma's days like um, in this COVID time in a nursing home? I mean, not a lot of people know what's going on in there. And that's awesome that you you were able to install that camera. I didn't even know that was an option of something that somebody could do. That's yeah, huge. it is. 
you can you have to sign the paperwork that you have the camera facing only in the room and not at the door so you don't see any other patients going by or anything like that right um and she has been in her room on lockdown not able to go out of her room since that weekend of march 12th 13th um i think it was maybe that monday they stopped having them go to the dining room so she's had every meal in her room She's had no activities. Um, she's really had uh, just now started having some therapy in her room, occupational and a little bit of physical because I took her off of um, hospice as because it's been six months and she's been doing so well. I took her off. That's amazing. Yeah. And now she's getting the occupational therapy and physical therapy that I would be doing with her. So that's made me feel a little bit better but it's she wants to walk she wants to do things and at 98 you know she doesn't understand why she yeah. can't walk the halls or you know we always have to kind of remind her grandma it's covid and you know it's trying to keep you safe so you know i can't imagine being locked in a room in a in a one bedroom she's got her own bathroom and a um, refrigerator and a microwave and luckily for her she's got a patio so when she does want to go outside, she can go outside or open the door for fresh air. Um, but the problem for me is that she's in a central area um, where the patio goes out into a courtyard that's internal, and I can't see her. So I've made jokes that I was going to do the balloons, you know, the up from the up movie, and I was just going to like get confused. like Mary Poppins her way in front of the balcony. Yeah, yeah. Well, with her being from England, you probably would expect that. It's, yeah, that's you know, very appropriate. <laughs> so, um, but I can't see her, but I can only see her through the nest. So, wow. Is she able to talk on the phone? Like, I know you said it would be hard for her to answer, but have you been able to talk to her that way during this time? I have. I have. And recently she's cognitively declining. Um, That's what I was worried about. Yeah. Physically in the beginning, she declined so much that they asked me to actually bring food. So I was feeding her at night and she would eat, you know, the, the foods that she was used to eating, the casseroles, because I had her over every night. Yeah. So I was trying to fatten her up because she had lost so much weight. Um, she gained about seven pounds and she's maintaining that. She's almost back to the normal weight she was prior to COVID. So, and she's asked me to stop feeding her because she's not that hungry. But, you know, so physically she's getting a little bit better than what she was, but cognitively now she can't remember certain words. Um, when I tell her that I love her, she giggles and finally, you know, after a few times she says, I love you more, which is, which is our thing. Mm -hmm. um, but so it's good days and bad days. You know, some days she will say, put your, you know, your right arm on your left shoulder and, you know, your left arm on your right shoulder and, and squeeze. And that's a hug for me. And those Aww. are the days that I'm just like, you know, teary eyed trying to get off the phone before I start bawling. Um, but, you know, her days, you know, to talk, it's for me, it used to be every night we would talk. Um, even before the nursing home, she had to call me at nine o'clock every night. Um, this is the longest we've been apart since I've been born. So even when I was in other states, I flew home once a month and spent at least two to four days with her. And so now it's, it's just so different. In 194 days, I just, you know, I just can't wait till the day that I can actually squeeze and hug her and you know, I'm just trying to not get my hopes up. That's one thing that I'm just trying to be a realist and 
focused on the joy of the moment that we have together and that I can talk to her and I can see her. Her sister calls her from England every Sunday. So that's, oh, that's good. That. And they, they have really long, good conversations from old times. So short-term memory goes pretty fast when it comes to, you know, the elderly, but she can really have those in-depth conversations with my, with my aunt over in England, which is awesome. That That's amazing. That's, that alone has probably kept her going too. Yeah. Um, just having that connection with someone like that from her whole life. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. They can like reminisce. Yeah. The good old yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lori, how do you, I know it's been tough for you with the, the ups and downs of the cognitive decline and the physical decline, all, all of it. Um, and I know you have good days and bad days. How on the bad days, how do you get the strength to be positive and to get going and, and to come to your workouts? Cause she never, she does not miss a workout. I love it. <laughs> if I, if she's like three minutes late, I'm checking my phone. Cause I'm like, this is not Lori. Like what is going on? I know. <laughs> and it's normally there's a, there was a road sweeper today and I'm like, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, you know, I have a strong faith. And so losing um, my mother when I was so young, um, I know that I will see her again. So my faith has been extremely um, tested, but very strong. And so for me, I, I literally give it to God. And I know people may, you know, not believe and that's fine. But for me, it's, I have to give it to God. I have to meditate. And I, I, I know on those days that I can't control everything. And this six months has been a lesson for me to let go. So, you know, as we talked about of me being on the camera constantly and trying to hold them accountable for every little thing that I would do, you know, they've got a job and she's just one of many that they have. So I just have to say, okay, you know what? My grandma's 98 and she can, she can actually defend herself, you know, she can say, I want water, you know, and she can kind of wheel herself out and, and do those things. And so for me, it's focusing on the joy and the moments that I do have when she's having those good days. And on the bad days, whenever she's um, struggling and doesn't want to get up, and really, I'm thinking, okay, this is it. I know that we've been down this road so many times, and the next day, she turned around and comes right back. And so for me, I have to just really rely on God and just pray that, you know, it's in his hands and it's his time. So mm -hmm. I've prayed that she go in her sleep and, you know, she, here she is, you know, and now she's getting stronger and, and wants to walk. So, you know, it, I, mean, I love it. Every, every, day, every day is a blessing. And, you know, I only hope that I have, you know, half of her strength even a quarter of her strength when she gets, you know, when I get to that age, um, she's amazing. And I know that if the tables were reversed, she would fight for me like I'm fighting for her. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, I've been hoping it's coming to a close, but I just want to make sure getting out there with the article at WFAA that, you know, this doesn't happen anymore, that the state put an end to this. You know, we, we have a, a hospital that was put together in Dallas that hasn't even been used for emergencies like this. You know, they're, they're moving them to nursing homes. So all of that, you know, I just, I think is just shameful when we're looking at our most vulnerable population. How did the um, nursing home respond to 
the article. To you breaking that. Yeah, to, to all of it. <laughs> they haven't responded to me, so which is fine. Wow. Um, and they haven't even addressed it, which is fine. They know my my whole thought process on it. Um, as you can imagine, I, I was very vocal with them when it was first happening and how upset I am about it. And in the, in the news article, it's um, really, they focused on their five-star nursing home. They have put these um, practices in place following the guidelines that they are supposed to follow with the CDC and that, you know, they're doing, they're doing the right thing for the community. The problem that I have is that, you know, I'm a part of the community as well, but my grandmother is my number one priority. So, yeah. And I thank God she hasn't gotten it. Um, and I, I thank God that, you know, she, she doesn't, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's those things that, you know, you, you just, you don't have control over. Yeah. Yeah. What you was, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to change the subject. So you just go ahead. Oh, no, we can change the subject. That's fine. I was just curious what it was like when she told you that she wanted to stay. Uh, I mean, how did, how, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my heart is just like, oh my gosh, that I can't even imagine. That had to be one of the bad days. Um, that was uh, a really bad yeah. day. So I will tell you um, the letter. So it was a letter and I had, I dropped it off and I had a certain time with her aid at the time who's no longer with that organization but she gave my grandmother the letter she loves my grandmother and i was gonna hire her for nighttime help at the house and have Mm -hmm. this during the morning and it would just be me and grandma in the afternoon so i had it all set up and within two hours hospice could actually have the bed in my house so i had the guest bedroom downstairs which we actually um, had redone previously when we moved in made it a walk-in shower instead of a tub shower. And so I had it all ready for her and I was ready. And mm-hmm. when she read the letter, she started crying. And the aide, she looked at the aide and she said, but I'm happy here. And, you know, I, I don't want, why do I have to leave? And she just really didn't understand it. And she didn't want to hurt my feelings. So the aide called me and FaceTimed and she was bawling and then I fell to my knees in the kitchen and I was bawling so she could barely get the words out and trying to explain what happened so my husband came in from the gym and he was like what is going on he thought someone had hurt my feelings or grandma had passed away like you know why what is going yeah and um he finally realized what was happening and then the aide put my grandmother on the phone and I you know had to compose myself and um she said you know babe I've always said that I would never shop you darling darling Mm -hmm. um darling I you know I always (laughs) promised myself that I would never ever you know, live with my children. And when she was growing up, her grandmother lived with them for quite a while. And she has a sister and a brother. And they, I think all three of them swore that they would never have their children take care of them. So it's been something she's been very adamant about all of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is a lot of taking care of for her. She, you know, can't really walk. She can't transfer from the bed to the wheelchair uh, anymore on her own to have to be lifted. She can't dress herself on her own. So there's a lot of things that would be difficult, but I was ready to tackle them. 
So I, I had, even though I have power of attorney and I could make that decision and I could force her to come home with me, I know my grandmother and she is a spitfire. Um, so I know that she would actually be super angry with me and she would start to decline even more. So I accepted her. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I accepted her wishes and probably cried for a week every day. Um, mm -hmm. In between, you know, trying to focus on the positive, I just, that, that's when I really started to let go and mm -hmm. I just realized I can't control everything. You know, that was kind of my last, my last piece of the puzzle. And now I'm just at having to wait. That well, gratitude, yeah. <laughs> like we talked about at the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's just being thankful for, for the days when you do get to talk to her and see her and see that she's doing well. I can I can only imagine um, my family's going through similar, um, really similar things. Yeah. And I'm noticing a lot with, um, with the generational, not wanting their kids to take care of them. It's almost seen, it's seen in such a different light. And then you have these places that are, you know, put in place like hospice, nursing homes and things to use. And then when they abuse almost that, it's like, where is that in between of what's the right choice? And it really is personal. I think it's so beautiful that you have the relationship with your grandma that you have, that you're able to, to talk about that and, and really respect her wishes at the same time. I know in my family, that's not <laughs> been the case. Everyone <laughs> has an opinion, but no one's going to talk to one another about it. Really? So um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been hard. Um, We've, I've got one of my grandma's, my, my grandma passed in January, but on my, on my paternal side, um, thank you. Uh, she, she had a good life. <laughs> um, she, she was in hospice at the end, but my other grandma, um, she's in a dementia center. Mm -hmm. And so that's really difficult to understand because people haven't been able to see her. Um, you know, it's through the window type stuff and she's very confused as it is. And then on the flip side of that and why I knew about the Medicare, Medicaid, of all that stuff. Um, my uncle's quadriplegic. And so he has to deal with both and getting his care and having AIDS come in and all that stuff. So I, I'm somewhat familiar. Um, but yeah, I, I just find it very interesting how even he would rather not, he doesn't want anybody to take him on as like a burden almost. Right, and right. It's just weird how that, how that switches, I guess, in life. Yeah. When you start to feel like that. Yeah. No, it's absolutely the truth. They don't want to be a burden. And and my husband, you know, asked me, does I don't have any children, but he asked me, you know, do you want your niece to take care of you? And I'm thinking, well, right now, depending on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cleaned her diapers, you know. Right. Yeah, it's only right. <laughs> but my husband's like Lori. And I'm like, okay, no, I wouldn't. And I want to stay in my house as long as I could, you know. So Yeah. It's really hard. It's like, how do you set yourself up to be in this position, you know, to be able to either stay at home or to make those choices or to have those conversations? I think it's very, very interesting, um, those types of conversations that people need to have. And they need to have them early. They Absolutely. really need to have them early. So I'm very lucky right now. Um, my grandfather died 2004. So before he passed away, about 2003, we finished all the paperwork. So we had to put him on Medicaid, um, transfer everything over to my grandmother. So he had, you know, no assets. As you're aware, it has to be below two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah wait, limit. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Because I had no idea about any of this, and it's just been uh, so eye opening. Yes. So it is quite a shock um, to go from Medicare to Medicaid. If you're on Medicare, 
the nursing home can be, for example, the one my grandmother's in was $8,500 a month. So it's, it's unreal. And depending on how long that person can actually stay in the nursing home, that could be hundreds and thousands of dollars, right? So you really need to move to Medicaid where the government takes everything out of their um, uh, social security check except possibly $60. And it depends, it's on state by state. So every state is different. So in the state of Texas, my grandmother could own property here while she's in Medicaid. But because she's in the state of Florida, we have to put our house up for sale. So that was part of the stipulation. So her house is up for sale. So all of her assets had to get below $2,000 before I could even apply to Medicaid and I had to have the house up for sale. So all of her assets, so I had to pay privately out of her money. So I, I have power of attorney. I'm on her bank account. So I write the checks. That's the one thing I didn't want Medicaid to control was taking the money out of her social security. I wanted to be able to control that. And so I write checks every day to the nursing home or every month. And so then I sign it, my name and POA, cause I'm on the bank account like that. But I'm also her health surrogate. She also has a, um, you know, do not resuscitate, a DNR. She has um, a living will. She has her will and all of that I'm the executor of. So it's been, it's been quite a burden to actually take all of those financial issues on and figuring out even on Medicaid, um, what kind of prescription plan, you know, they also have other services within the nursing home that they offer, which give you private nursing essentially um, for another fee, different, different times. So to get her below the $2,000 mark, you, you literally have to spend her money, but you need to be accountable for where you're spending that money. So each month I wrote the check out to 8,500. I knew that I could get her to, um, ready to apply for Medicaid by July of last year. So her, you know, I was paying her taxes on her house. I was paying things in advance. And so Medicaid comes back and asks you, well, I see there was a check that was deposited here. Well, that was because her house insurance, we had paid too much, overpaid, so they gave us money back. So then I had to spend that money either on clothes, shoes, um, a walker, you know, that I could have at the house for her. But you have to really keep track of all of that. Um, Trump, you know, gave the, the check. So she, my grandmother got a check and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> now, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Right? So now I went over the two grand in her account. And although the nursing home says, Lori, don't worry about it. It's just like, they look at the yearly. I, I don't trust it. And I want to make sure that right. she's below two grand every single month. So for me, I went out and I, I her birthday gifts were all bought by her. So, you know, new clothes, new shoes. You do what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. And I even got her. Because it does. Does it change their benefits if you, like, don't go below? How does, like, yeah. if you don't go below the two? That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. It, it changes. That's what I thought. Yeah. We're, I'm dealing, or I'm hearing secondhand, I guess, information from my family who is dealing with this exact thing. Um, and it's very tricky because there's not a lot of information to help you, the way you articulated it was beautiful. So I know that you've done a lot of research and have probably done, made some mistakes along the way to understand it, um, for sure, because it is, there's no clear way to explain this to people until you're in it. Exactly. Would you agree? Okay. I, Cause that's the way that I like, we never hear about these things. Exactly. And right now, um, 
I have a cousin that's dealing with this with her father. He's currently in the hospital and I am encouraging her to move forward to moving him towards that Medicaid. And so unfortunately she was trying to get the power of attorney and all of that um, the day that you know he went to the ER. So unfortunately she doesn't have that yet. Um, I'm hoping that things get better and she's able to do that. But that's why you know, having a conversation like you guys are is the one thing that I would tell people is to get this done early on in life. You figure out who the person you want to be your power of attorney and that person's going to be the one that takes care of all of it takes care of you, decides the nursing homes, makes all of those decisions for you. So it really needs to be somebody that, you know, is very trustworthy um, and, and that is going to be able to, to take on that responsibility because it is quite a lot. It's a big responsibility. It's a huge yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of it, it's just so many phone calls back and forth just to try to understand it that um, a lot of people just quit or give up. And then, you know, you're just left to either pay that out of pocket all the time and then see that you can't or take it in. And then that's a different stress and a different financial burden. It's, it's so important. It's so imperative. Like you said, that people just have these, these conversations up front and as early as possible and get them in writing video on whatever you need to do, exactly. like cover your butt to make sure that your people are taken care of or that you yourself are taking care of because it can go left real quick. <laughs> and the, and the other thing is that make sure that it is not just by state. So sometimes, lawyers in you know florida could just do that power of attorney only in florida and thank goodness you know we had the hindsight to think globally because my grandmother's from england um even on her um, she's going to be cremated and she had international insurance so now all i have to do is make a phone call when she does pass away and it's taken care of she doesn't have to be in the state of florida so there's all kinds of different things that, you know, we just don't think about and we don't want to think about. Right. Exactly. But I will say, you know, as early as possible, you know, to take care of this. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mom, she's always like, she'll, she'll tell my brother and I, you know, we need to go over my death binder. And we're like, what? My death <laughs> binder? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, we have to talk about it. You guys need to know where everything is and you need to know my wishes. And I mean, I avoided it for years. And then I think seeing everything that happened with my grandmother's passing, you know, you really do have to understand it for what it is and, and have a plan forward. And there is no better time than to have those conversations when the person's able to have them uh, <laughs> who you're going to be advocating for. I am yeah. with you. When my grandparents were still alive, they wanted me to get the stuff out of the house that was still mine. It's the house I grew up in, you know, since yeah. nine years old. And, you know, and I was like, what? And they're like, well, you need to get this out of the house. And, and I was horrified. And they wanted to talk about all the death plans. And I was like, I'm not having this conversation. So I was just like you. And, mm -hmm. you know, fortunately, it, it took me a little while and I was angry because I wasn't ready, you know, having that loss. And I just didn't, I was like, well, you guys are going to live forever and I don't want to have this conversation. So, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it takes a while. Um, and I think maybe um, having younger people talk about this and just, you know, having this as part of the portfolio, you, you know, with your mom. Um, my my husband and his family they they have a book and all the passwords and everything else and yeah everything everything yeah and so every time we go to North Carolina um, Rich has to go upstairs and they have to go over the book you know and I'm 
how long is this going to be, you know? <laughs> I just have to sit there and I'm like... Lori's like pouring a drink. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have to have a glass of wine and just accept that this is what you have to do sometimes. And it's, yeah. it's not fun. It is hard. It's extremely emotional because you don't want to ever think of a world without the people you love not in it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's extremely hard. And, and how do you have those conversations? How was it broached with your grandma? Um, oh, for which part? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like any, I mean, so, just all of it. Yeah, so she, um, I would say, since she's been in the nursing home about a year and a half, prior to that, she was in and out of the hospital and with UTIs. And in the elderly, if people don't know that are listening, that actually makes them go really kind of crazy in their brains. Um, mm -hmm. And so they do things that just don't make sense. And so when they go too far, she, she got septic one year um, and it was pretty bad. So then having to go into rehab because being in the nineties, even in the eighties kind of, you know, it really makes them very weak. So having to get their strength back up before they can go home. And so my grandmother probably for two years was in and out of the hospital with this. So we had gotten to a pattern where, look, we're just gonna have our urine checked every month. And so we could avoid doing this and having her have therapy and having therapy at home. The very last time my grandmother, it was the day after Christmas and my husband and I were there and we were bringing her home. And I said, grandma, I said, I think it's time. And she said, no, I have to try. I have to try one more time. So I said, okay. So we let her try and the middle of January, she had um, gotten weak again and fell kind of not fall, but just kind of gracefully draped, you know, on the floor, couldn't get back mm -hmm. up and had to go to the nursing or had to go to the hospital again and then rehab. And I told my grandmother, I said, you, you can't, this, this is it. You tried. I love you. You know, next time you're going to be very hurt and I don't want to see that. So we have got to make this decision. And so it took a long conversation with me with her and probably for a week because my grandmother likes to think about things and she said let me think about it. let me think about it so um i would bring it up the next day let me think about it. i'm like okay grandma you've got we 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 don't have much time so you're gonna have to let me know by friday so then i got it to the point where okay do you want it to be here i have a bed for you here in florida or do you want to come to texas and so that's when I gave her that ultimatum. And that's when she came. Yeah, and then that's when she came. And talk about, wow, um, really being nervous, getting her on the flight, because oh, as yeah. long as she could transfer from the wheelchair to the plane seat, then they were fine taking her, thank God. Otherwise, I'd have to have a private plane or drive her. So um, we really worked on that in therapy and they helped me get her to that point where she could do that. So I was very thrilled at that. And so she was one of those people, you know, that, that got to go on early with the wheelchair, sat on, sat on the seat, luckily um, did not have to use the restroom while we we're on the flight, which was a blessing because you have no idea the prayers. I, I mean, <laughs> I can only imagine that entire Hold time. It, Grandma. Hold so, it. And then, you know, getting her off the plane and then my husband was waiting. And so thank goodness. And, and I had packed as much as I could in her suitcases and um, had it all, you know, ready to go. So 
he actually brought his car instead of mine, which is a forerunner. So we had, my grandmother didn't like the fact that he had to lift her up and put her get into the car. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then we went straight to the nursing home and they were ready for us. And so it was pretty much a seamless experience for that. That's amazing and unheard of. That's great. Yeah. Planning on your part. I had it all planned out. They 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 had her with the paperwork done and we I said we have to leave before nine AM. No problem, no problem. And we drove um from Melbourne, Florida to the Orlando airport, which is about an hour. So I had to make sure we were all within the time frame. Um and I got her there and then I told her I told the nursing home here that we would be there right around dinner time. So they had her dinner for her, got her settled in her room, didn't have a camera then. So, you know, I was just coming in in the morning and coming in the afternoon and things like that. So but it was seamless with that, but it was a lot of planning. That's what I was gonna say. It was only seamless because you (laughs) You put in the effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Is it's people I because it is such like a a topic that it's it's not glamorous. Nobody wants to to think about it. You know, you don't think about all the planning that goes into it. But I've I've been seeing like how hard you work and and how hard you have to work just to keep your mind from from getting too you know stuck in this. And and yeah. it's is a full time job. It is. But Leanne, you've been a blessing with the workouts, walking. Um, meditating and swimming in the pool. And, and now I've got a new bike that I really love riding around the neighborhood with my husband. And, um, you know, those things and getting outside for me um, is really, really helped. And just trying to focus on the positive. And I'm not going to say there are bad days. And those bad days, I have to let the feelings come and just deal with it. So whether that means that I'm, you know, in bed with a cup of coffee and watching a movie for a few hours, or I just, you know, am shutting off my phone and not looking at it for a couple hours. It's, it's those things that you just have to do for your own self-care and, you know, really taking care of yourself. And that's something that I didn't do for a long time. And COVID has really taught me, you know, you got to step back and you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what do you use to meditate? Do you use an app? So I do the calming app. Um, there are several. And right now, Jay Shetty, um, who uh, think like a monk. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, he's doing another 20 days of meditation. And today was day three. So I actually put it on my calendar at 1130. I know I need to be in my spot. And I've got, uh, you know, my own chair, my certain chair that I go to when I meditate. And he has guides, and so that seems to help. This is, I think, our the third 20-day of meditation that he does. So I like to follow him as well as a few other people on Instagram um, for meditations. I try to do it on my own, but a lot of times right now during what's going on in my life, I find a guided meditation is easier for me. Yeah, me that's what too. I need to. <laughs> I also just sit and stress myself out even more and remember four things right? I forgot at the grocery store. Right? Like, I know. I become the squirrel on the fence. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> What's been one of your um, biggest benefits that you've noticed from um, from your meditation? Oh, well, recently um, I've really started to get uh, anxious and almost tremble a little bit. And so... Yesterday, I had one of those days, and so having that meditation, it, it's so calming, and I stopped trembling. So mm-hmm. um, that has been absolutely, and my blood pressure has seemed to really calm down. 
So it's amazing. Yeah, it helps my anxiety, my blood pressure, um, and really it just um, my breathing. I didn't realize that I'm such a shallow breather. And at times when I am so anxious, um, my ribs will actually start to hurt and I don't realize why. And then once I start doing those deep breathing, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I just have to remember. And that, that's that been a huge positive for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. You, um, you mentioned the EMDR therapy earlier. Will you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. Because I was not familiar with that until you told me about it. So... You know, I have to look it up to tell you exactly what EMDR stands for, and I'll pull it up here. But I will tell you, um, having almost drowned um, myself, it is, um, it, it's, it's, it's traumatic, right? So it is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it is a therapy. Um, so after my granddad died, having the EMDR, which I knew nothing about, um, it brings you, you have to be really open to accept where your mind's going to go during EMDR. So it took me back to a lot of the trauma of losing my mother and the day of, of the drowning and what had happened. So it is processing in your brain. So it's almost like having 15 therapy sessions in one. And you come out of there and feeling like you've been hit by a Mack truck and she encourages you to um, soak in Epsom salt and things like that. So for me, it has been a place where I, for years as a child and, and until I was an adult until 2004, I didn't realize that I had this pain in my heart and it was kind of just, um, you know, like you get a stitch in your side. So whenever we would talk about my mom, it was right over my heart and this EMDR released that. Like I could take a deep breath and, and it's gone and it's, I can talk about my mom without tearing up and not being able to breathe. I can actually speak about it. And so EMDR has been absolutely amazing for me. Um, I was in the Joplin tornado in 2011 and uh, luckily to be here, um, everything was destroyed. I lost everything that was there, my vehicle, all of my belongings. And I immediately went to EMDR because the first storm after that, and I was living in friends of mine's garage. There's a room above their garage. I lived there for three months, and the first time a storm hit, I was on the floor scratching myself on my feet until I bled and um, not really realizing what was going on. I said, okay, let me do this EMDR therapy. So immediately when I went back to it, they said your skin is an organ and it remembers being covered in debris. So they said I was opposite because normally you're supposed to work from your head to your feet, but I work from my feet to my head. So when I talk about the storm now, I you know have just a barely of an itch at the top of my head that'll probably never go away, but I am a perfect advocate for EMDR. It has been amazing in my life for any kind of trauma is to really find a counselor that's certified in EMDR and your life will be so much better for it. And she just like lightly breezes over the fact that she was in a tornado. Like she was literally, this woman is so resilient. (laughs) (laughs) She was literally huddled over her cats so they wouldn't blow away while the roof was ripped off of her house and Lori was falling oh all God. over her. That what? is what she lived through. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. But but 
what what do you actually do in the EMDR? Yeah, session? that's what I was curious too. Sure. You said it feels like a Mack truck. So what are some of, if, if you feel comfortable, yeah. um, just kind of like, what are some of the things that they go through with you to, as for pra I, practice? I don't know the right word or like, how would you, <laughs> so the tools? I, I've had three different therapists for EMDR. So after I um, was in Joplin, I was only there for three months after the storm and I needed to get back to the Southeast where if you have a tornado, you know, it's from a hurricane and it normally hits um, not your house, but a field or something else. I was not used to being in tornado alley. So I went to Atlanta. So I had another therapist. All three of them did something different. So the very first one that I had in Florida in St. Augustine used a pencil and had a pencil and had me follow the pencil like this. So it's kind of like a tick, tick, tick tick and just had me would ask me questions okay you're in a safe place I was having bad recurring nightmares and so she would take me back to the dream and so you're safe and then she would stop you at a certain place and say okay now let's talk about it and at the very end of where I was really coming towards what happened in the dream I couldn't breathe I couldn't talk and she's you know you just have to be really open where your mind goes so after the storm, when I was in Joplin, the therapist had very different um, ways. She had um, buttons that you that you held, kind of um, devices, and they would rotate. They would vibrate in your hands. And she had me close my eyes. And it's a pattern. I don't know how the pattern works, but they're controlling the pattern, I believe, as you're going through and remembering. And then they stop it. Um, and it feels like 10 minutes, maybe five, maybe two, depending on the situation. And they have you talk about what happened and then they go back and they start it again from that spot. The third therapist I, I had in Atlanta did something even different where you have the vibration of those um, paddles that I talked about. And she had, had you put them underneath your thighs and then you look at a board that has lights that go back and forth in a different pattern. And so the vibration underneath your thighs are in a different pattern than what the eye movement is going. And then the therapist is watching you, obviously, during this time. And I think something happens with your eyes when, you know, she knows that you're really in it and you're thinking. And so it's it's telling yourself that you have to allow whatever your brain, wherever your brain goes and whatever you're thinking about, that it's okay, you're safe. Mm -hmm. And there was things that in my dream or things that I remembered that I'm like, well, that didn't happen. I know that didn't happen, but it could be something that your brain is processing from something else. So, mm -hmm. and you talk about it each time and it has been tremendous healing for me, um, you know, on the grief process, as well as the tornado. And the tornado also brought some, some grief back into um, the picture where I still, you know, had some, some work to do with my mother's death and, you know, grieving with my father, you know, not being there and things like that. So it is, it has been a tremendous help for me and it is definitely for trauma. So, you know, people that have had sexual abuse or, you know, physical abuse or any kind of trauma in their lives, I highly recommend it. And you walked out of there feeling better or did it take some time? Uh, yeah. You walk out of there feeling exhausted. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. Trauma recovery is just like, like you said, getting hit by a Mack yeah. truck. Like it takes days to come back yeah. to just 
center you, yourself you exactly. just feel like you can live and you and you're processing your brain is still processing through all of it as it's going on so mm -hmm. for days on end and so you know there was times we would do once a week sometimes it might be twice and sometimes it might be just every other week and then I went to once a month so mm -hmm. and depending on how the storm would be um, when I got to Atlanta because I thought oh I've already had EMDR I'm fine and then there was another storm and and I was scratching myself to death and I had, um, you know, cortisone cream. I was putting it everywhere and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go back to therapy. Obviously there's, there's issues that I need to deal with. So now it's okay when a tornado comes, I'm like, I'm, I'm in my little safe spot. So yeah, you know what to do. Yeah. Wow. Trauma covers, trauma recovery is so interesting because I feel like when, when you go through something like what you're talking about um, with, with the therapy that you EMDR, am I saying it correctly? Okay, um, that you do, I think like for days afterwards, I would just assume you're still like downloading almost the information from that and trying to still piece it together until you go and you talk to somebody, Absolutely. somebody else. Absolutely. Is there anything that you paired with that that really helped for for the recovery process from trauma? Oh, good question. Um, so for me, it was journaling. Um, I, I, I had to journal to get it all out. And writing yeah. letters, um, writing letters to my father. I forgave my father within my therapy session for not mm -hmm. for things that he did not do and wasn't there for me. I forgave him, um, wrote the letter in my mind, presented it to him in my mind, forgave him, and I ended up having a better relationship with him before he died. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, no regrets with that, you know. That's amazing. That's so, that's so beautiful. I love, I love hearing stories like that. That gives me hope for sure. Yeah. So, really awesome. you know, but it's, it's a days, weeks long process and really you have to baby yourself. So there'd be sessions. I would only text my husband, um, my fiance at the time and be like, um, session was good. Can't talk, you know, call you tomorrow, you know, yeah. and just go soak in a bath and have an early night or put on a Disney movie. <laughs> Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. she's a Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, anything that, you know, kind of feeds that inner child. And that's, that's the one thing too with EMDR is that she really talked about, you have the, the child in you that you have to talk to for that trauma that happened to me when I was so young. You also have that, um, the adult and you also have the parent. And so mm -hmm. that parent needs to parent the child and vice versa. And sometimes, you know, you're that rebellious teenager and it's so funny. I would, I would <laughs> every day, every day, every day. I go back to therapy, and I'd be like, I don't know why I'm so frustrated. And, and right, like, oh, yeah. Well, this is what triggered you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it makes <laughs> sense. Like, why did I know that? And she's like, because you were triggered, and you know, you can't think rationally. You can't look outside of yourself when you're in something so deep, and that's that's so. I think that's where meditation and all that stuff helps too and journaling like you're saying yeah and talking to your inner child so yeah a lot of times I was like well she's a pain in my rear like why do I have to talk to her so much I mean she's just oh and she said my therapist said to me would you speak to a little girl like would you speak to your niece when she was that age that way and I was like no why would you speak to yourself that way and I was like oh, God. <laughs> 
fine. I know. (laughs) That's such a common theme with, especially in women um, that that we talk to on here. It just seems like everyone, you know, you you really do have to go back and be really nice to yourself. And there's always a point in someone in, in a childhood that really defines kind of how you progress moving forward and just going back and healing that stuff. It's hard, hard work. It, it's, it's hard, hard work. work. It's beautiful work, but yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. My husband says I was, I was a shell of a person before um, the last therapy session. So he said, wow. yeah. So he said, I am, and I, my therapist said that I was pretty much kind of an empty shell. I really just kind of was focused on work and that was it. And really didn't let a lot of people in my life. So I came around with my husband. I still don't know how you got in, <laughs> but, um, you know, look, meant to be. <laughs> looking at um, everything that I went through now, I can like really feel again. And, you know, really, I have that emotion that wasn't there before. So, yes. And you do. It's so funny because, because you do really allow yourself to feel. And a lot of the times and I'm guilty of this and you even pointed this out in me, this was a lesson because you were having a really down day. I, it was when we were still training at your house and, and I came over and I was trying to like, nope, nope, we're going to be happy. This is going to be good. Everything will be fine. And you're like, no, like, I don't feel that way. Like, let me be upset. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not letting her be upset. Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, to fix it and, and change it and be happy. But you're like, no, I have to feel upset to get through this. It's not something I can just skip over. And and that was hugely eye-opening for me because I, I wasn't respecting that part that part of you you know right and that's something I think in myself too I'll be like nope shut up you're fine like you don't you should not be upset about this and and it's it doesn't just go away you ha- you have to feel it yeah it'll manifest somewhere else later on in life exactly oh. and that ties back to like your gut your stomach you know all those things that's where where they come out I see it a lot um a lot of my trauma was held in, in my stomach and in migraines, you know, and it's like, once you start to heal that stuff, those things start to go away and it's pretty miraculous. And it's something that you can do for yourself. Like you said, if you're willing to sit there and, and go through it, exactly. um, I think that that's amazing. And it sounds like you have incredible support from your husband. So, I mean, that's even better, Yeah, you know, yeah. that makes it pretty fantastic. I do. How yeah, I literally you- thought you were going to say, Rich said you were a shell of a person until you met him. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like rich to me. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. Yeah. So he noticed the difference. So that was that was really good. And he was very supportive. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's huge having the support, knowing and if I just tell him, you know, I don't want to talk about it right now. I can't talk about it. He's like, okay. You know. Yeah. And having that respected, I think, is just like that's such a huge part of it. That's such a huge part of it. It is. It is. Wow. It's a blessing. So it really is. How has he been um, with your grandma, you know, um, away? How has that affected him Uh, or has it? You know, they're two peas in a pod. His, his birthday is the 2nd of September and hers is the first. That's my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) And you want to know something crazy? My grandma's is August 31st. So we're like right in tandem like that too. That's really cool. My goodness. Yes. That's awesome. So I can't get away from Virgos as hard as I try. I'm sorry. (laughs) So 
Yeah, so those are two peas in a pod, and they would actually gang up on me. Um, yeah. He loves her so much, and so he will get to talk to her on the phone as well, but he misses oh, her awesome. and tells her that he loves her, and, you know, so they get to talk. They have a very unique relationship. It's great. Um, I can go to him and actually, um, if I say something to my, my grandmother that I want her to do, let's just say it's like, let's go for a walk, right? Um, around the nursing home. She would tell me, oh, you know what? No, I already had my therapy today, right? Rich will look at her, said the same thing, but because it comes from Rich, she's like, okay. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. So I, I'm like, they speak their own language. So I love that. He, he's, he's the one that really pushed me for the article and really pushed me to get this out in the open because nobody was talking about it. Mm -hmm. So he was very passionate about it and, you know, he just loves her. So it's, it's been difficult for him as well. And also being the support for me. So it's, yeah, it's been a lot. Yeah. It's brought everybody closer. It seems like I can't wait for you get to, to get to see her. I hope they call today. Yeah. For sure. I know I'm writing. I know. <laughs> I know it'll be, I'm, I'm, whatever the news is, it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell um, somebody who's at this phase in their life where they're having to put a parent or a grandparent into a facility? Is there like a one piece of advice or information that you wish that um, they would know? Get the camera, um, you know, get the nest because uh, the only, the reason why I got it is because I arrived at the nursing home. My grandmother was quite upset. She's not a crier, like I had told you all before, and she was crying because the morning, and this, this is like two o'clock in the afternoon, and she's still upset, and the morning aid had been a little rough with her. Instead of, um, you know, pulling up with her arms, they kind of just grabbed her, her wrists and her hands and pulled on her, and my grandmother, you know, was in she was hurt. And so I didn't have the video to actually prove that that had happened, but they had to do an investigation and there'd been enough reports on this person that they went ahead and, and she was terminated. But the nest has really saved me um, because I can go back and show cameras where, you know, this person's not wearing a mask or she didn't get a shower today or they left her in bed or they didn't put her in bed properly, you know, on yeah. and on. So that's, that's the one thing that I would say, because it's another set of eyes and you sign the paperwork and they put a notice outside the door that this room is being monitored. So as much as my grandmother, we kind of ignored it. She would roll out of her room and she's like, Oh, this says there's a camera in my room. And I'm like, really? That's interesting. <laughs> You know, <laughs> anyway, just let it go so she can continue about her business. Without, yeah. After like 10 days, you know, the aid and she kept bringing it up. So they, they, my grandmother said, they told me to ask you, what is this camera? And I said, oh, grandma, I said, okay. I said, it's a camera. So I can actually just check on you. I said, nobody else can see the video. Nobody will see anything but me. I said, unless I need to, and it's for your protection. And then she was okay with it. Yeah, I, I that's honestly one of the greatest pieces of information that I've learned today is that that's even a possibility. I really didn't know. Um, I, I've you hear so many stories of like elder abuse in, in these facilities, and it is the most devastating thing because you know you you hear how much it costs to be able to send someone there, and you would hope that they would have people there that would want their best interest, or you know 
it's it shouldn't just be a job to them, you right. know, although they right. do have a job to do. Um, and it's it's just it breaks my heart to know that that stuff goes on. It does. And and I've and I've seen it way too many times within like my own family and and with friends and then and obviously on the news and things like that. But I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just I wish that there was a right one. But I I love the idea of getting that second set of eyes. I think that that's, that's yeah. brilliant advice. It gives you peace of mind even if nothing is happening. You can check to make sure of that, and that's that's been huge for you. Yes, you know? yes. And the notifications. I get a notification. There's motion in the room. There's talking. There's a person in the room. Um, if the camera goes out, I get a notification. Now I had to make them all silent, by the way, because that was yeah. much at first. Um, so, but oh, I bet <laughs> I see them on the phone, and I'm like, oh, the camera's out, so I can text, you know, the maintenance person at the nursing home, and he'll say, oh, you know, power's out. Looks like it's out for you know however many hours, or we're working on it. Um, and a lot of times I'll wait, and then it'll come back on five minutes um, later. So it could be just the Wi-Fi there or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. just being in the loop when you can't physically be there absolutely that's, that's huge absolutely well so I know we all are big believers in like once somebody passes away it does not mean that that they're gone and yes. I know Calla you ever since your it was your grandma that passed right that you see the cardinal my grandpa so yeah, okay, it started with my grandpa that's what my business is named after he shows up all the time I know it's him 100% convinced he sent my husband to me like a week after that's when I met Simon. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And I told my grandma before she passed, um, cause I got to have one last FaceTime with her. I'm going to get emotional. Um, when, uh, when she was in hospice, when we said our goodbyes and I just told her, you know, I'm going to get the good bird seed for you and I'll make sure. And sure oh, enough, so I see my pair of Cardinals at my house all the time and so I know that they're with me and I know that they're here and my kids point them out and they call them grandpa and grandma you know like they know <laughs> who they are because we really do truly believe it but that there hasn't been um every pivotal moment when I like just really need them they show up so I know it's them I have faith that it's them and it does it keeps you going even on the hard days for sure that is beautiful that is awesome <laughs> thank you and I think, I think Lee, I know where Leanne's going with this as well. <laughs> um, and thank you for sharing that because that makes yeah. me teary eyed. And um, for me, it's been yellow butterflies. So um, yellow butterflies have always symbolized my mother. And on my bad days, one will fly by. And recently, my dad passed away last June, and we finally got to have his internment at National Arlington Cemetery on September 11th, which is a funny story in itself because um, I had his pictures in front of my computer and I said, okay, dad, when do you want your service to be? And my stepmother and I were looking at the middle of September because of COVID and um, uh, we got on the phone and the man said, well, what about September 11th? And I literally just sighed. That's my mother's birthday. And then it was about <laughs> 11 o'clock and I literally started laughing and I said, okay, so what you don't know is that 11 is my dad's favorite number and 11 was his softball number. 11, 11 has been throughout my life. Me oh, I love synchronicity. <laughs> like it, it gets better. So the service um, was September 11th at 11. And of course in DC, he's in the niche wall and there's flags on every building for September 11th and right behind his wall, right where he is, it's the Washington Monument. 
and you can see in, in the background and it's just beautiful. So That's stunning. I got to put my dad's ashes in, in the wall and kiss them goodbye. And then I stepped back and the minister was doing the last part of the service. And I thought I was the only one that saw it, but it was a yellow butterfly that flew from his area over me. And I thought, ah, oh, I'm the only one that can see this. This is my mom, you know, it's her birthday and you know, it's my dad. And, and then it flew away. And after the ceremony at lunch, everybody was talking about the yellow butterfly. Oh. And I just kind of laughed and I, I just, I knew it was my mom, you know, just making sure that I was okay. And, and I went and I put flowers on her grave and my grandparents' grave because they're all up in Falls Church. Um, they're buried in Falls Church. So I still, I was born in DC and have family still in Virginia. So it was, it was just very special. So that's, that's beautiful. a beautiful story. It's so heartwarming, you know, because yeah. it's hard. We're, we're such visual creatures. It's like our circle's so small. It's like, what are you focused on? I, it, it sometimes helps to sit back and think it's not all about what you see. Like there's forces all around you that we don't even think 100%. about. It, exactly. You know, 100%. And I love your Cardinal story. I love it. <laughs> I, I, they are all around her. <laughs> My house is turned her. into like a nature preserve. Like, I don't know who I am. And there's, there's funny stories about birds because growing up, I was terrified. I, I had so many horrible things. I hated birds. I was, it was known that I hated them. And it's just funny that that's the way that they come back into your life. Um, you know, it's, it's something that now I'm like, oh, we have to get the good stuff and I need another birdhouse and I need all, I need all these ridiculous things that I never thought I would have any interest in whatsoever, but, but we do it. And, um, there's a, bag up there and it was it says um for the birds and it's in my grandpa's handwriting and he used to my grandma used to quilt and so she would take all the shreds and he would keep them in a bag and he would put them out for the birds so that they can make nests and things and I have it up in my office <laughs> just because it's like that's that's the type of people that they were that's and I love fantastic it. fantastic yeah no I'm I'm, I'm big into signs like that and, and especially in the afterlife and, and our loved ones coming, coming back and being with us and guarding us and protecting us and guiding us. Um, They're there. They really are. And I've been talking to my dad and talking to my mom and, you know, he, you just, you know, that they're there. And at times yeah. my grandfather has visited me and, and my husband has witnessed it and now he's just so used to it. He just kind of, you know, rolls it off his shoulders. But at first he was like, yeah what is happening? And I'm like, it's okay. It's just my granddad, you know, He's like, okay. and I'm like, I love you granddad when it gets too much, you know, yeah. I love you granddad. It's okay. You know, and then he would go, but it was only until I told him I loved him. Yeah. But even my cats, my cats, you know, would stare and you couldn't break their stare. And, and my husband's like, someone's here. And I'm like, I, I know it's just my, it's my granddad, you know? Yeah, like it's fine. We're good. We're in good company. Yeah, I love that so much. He's, <laughs> He's coming to say hello. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. That's so, so beautiful. Wow. Lori, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing. Thank you. Of course. Oh. Thank you guys for everything you're doing on World Gratitude Day. I'm so grateful to have both of you to talk to you today. It's been amazing. And thank you guys for what you're doing. This is really incredible. You guys are making a difference. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come and be a part of the HTC community on our various social media platforms. Simply search at Have the Convo. 
click around on our links to find ways that you can be involved. Talk soon.